Hello and welcome to Playcast Maximus, the beloved Transformers Court Review podcast that is so missed by its listeners during the gap between episodes, chaos erupts across the world for people who are missing it. <laughs> we are free people who want to bring some entertainment into the lives of those of you trapped at home right now. Though sadly it turned out not even the most depraved Flame Toys Windblade fan wanted to buy our webcam feed. So instead, we are doing a podcast again about Transformers Comics. Uh, joining me are two people who always say two metres distance, both physically and emotionally. It's Tom <laughs> McNally! <laughs> oh, well, I can't deny it. I can't deny any of it. Hello, everybody. And Marion Hildich. Oh, do I not get, like, okay, fine. Hi, I'm here too. You've got exactly the same level of introduction. No, I got a, I got a fun, well-crafted joke. Marion, Marion just got a, got a polite hello. But, but, but I think, that I think... joke was for both of you. The joke was for both of you. Then the joke stopped. Then I said hello to Tom. And then I said hello to Marion. That was a, the structure there. I accept this. Fine. Okay. It did apply to me too, so I'll, I'll take it. Well, what were we saying? Are we working to do stuff that we need to be cut out before we started? No, no, no. We're rolling. This is all happening. This is real. This is what people are here for. This is what the people want. Uh, all four of them. Uh, so, Stuart, what is it that we're going to be talking about today? Well, that's a very well-structured question, Tom, and allow me to answer it in an equally well-structured way. We are talking about the Transformers Galaxy Anthology comic, the first six issues, two stories, Constructicons uh, Rising and Wannabe. Constructicons Rising being written, written by Tyler Blazinski. Uh, art by Livio Ramadelli, letters by Tom B. Long, and editors by the usual suspects of David Marriott and Tom Waltz, while Wannabe is written by Kate Leff and Cohen Edenfield, art by Alex Milne, uh, colours by Josh Perez on issue 5, and David Garcia Cruz on issue 6, and letters by the newbie of uh, Jake Woods. Uh, who is joined on issue six by Val Lopez and edits by the same as we above. That's quite a cast. And I nearly wrote all their names down correctly as well. But luckily we caught that before we started. <laughs> so how how um how have you guys been finding Galaxy so far? Um I ha I really enjoy the concept of it. I think it's like a refinement and an improvement on the spotlight concept um and i really like the idea of getting new voices in and i'm actually i'm quite impressed by the the kind of story cohesion and the emphasis on elements from story elements and, and world elements from the main series being um unpacked as plot points by other writers in other series and it's a great way to get old favorite artists on board yeah i think it's a great um companion piece as a concept Stuart? Uh, well, uh, I have always wanted uh, an anthology-style title. Uh, I also might be a better idea than doing the occasional uh, spotlights to do sort of sad loan, separate stories, and more importantly, also try out new talents, which IDW haven't really had an avenue for since spotlights ended. I think structurally it made a mistake uh, by launching with a four-part story. Because, you know, anthology title, it's hard to sell it as an anthology if you're starting with a trade length story. It's almost just like a, a mini series or an ongoing rather than, a, rather than an anthology uh, for the first several months. Because there, there were some quite big delays as it went along, which you may talk about more in a bit. Uh, Stuart, I just want to call you up on some terminology here. Oh, yes. By my understanding, an anthology comic would be something like the Beano or 2000 AD, which has several stories in one issue. What would you call it, Red Tom? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I was actually wondering. I don't actually know what to call this. Um, companion series is, is doesn't really mean anything. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know. This is. I guess this is just like another ongoing. Well, I've been called out there, <laughs> and my my whole argument shot down. Now I have. Oh no! I'm sorry. What, you, 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 no, no, no. Your 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 logic is internally consistent. 
Uh, I'm applying uh, an outside thing. My own understanding of anthology. Well, you can't go outside anymore, Tom. So oh, yeah. <laughs> Police will be knocking at my door. Would you, would you have called uh, um, Spotlight an anthology series? No, no, because uh, it's it's about the packaging of it. Mm. If it if in a spotlight issue you had, you know, Nightbeat and Grimlock having their own stories, each by different creative teams, that would be an anthology. So you're you're applying the book definition of anthology in that, and an anthology in book form is many smaller stories within one package. Yes. Yeah, I suppose this is a hmm. A macro anthology, a meta anthology. How about in terms of a trade? Ah, okay, yeah, okay. Ahead, I was correct in my use of language. Good. Yeah, yeah, you're, 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 I'm, 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 I'm glad for the clarification. As a trade, this would be what I would call an anthology. We're all good. Sorry, that was very boring for everybody. Let's let's carry on. <laughs> anyway, that's all the time we have. So we'll be back next week for another episode. Uh. I, uh, what was I saying? Oh, yes. Uh, so I would not have started with a four-part uh, story. I would start with something that maybe sell the USP, a, a one-part, a two-part at most. Uh, and I have some issues with the opening story, but we'll, I, we'll talk about more. Second story, I thought, worked much better, possibly not as something in continuity with the main book. I thought there were some potential issues there in how it talks about certain characters. But uh, overall, really enjoyed the uh, second of uh, the two arcs. And uh, what about you, Marion? Uh, I should point out at this point that I only read all six issues today. Uh, so I've not really, and I haven't really been keeping up with uh, the main uh, book either. So I'm up to issue 12 of the main book. And I've kind of dropped behind on a lot of the marketing around it and the solicits and things like that. So I had zero expectations about what I was uh, coming in to read. I just kind of read it. Um, but I do agree with what you're saying, Shirley. I think the first four issues um, dragged for me. Um, Let's not say they were bad, but we'll we'll get into that. Um, and I was fully expecting that the the second arc would have also been four issues. But of course, thinking of the trade now, it makes sense that there's only two of them, uh, so they can fit it all together. Um, and uh, yeah, I think the rest is going to be commentary on the specific story. So maybe I'll get to that when we get to that. Yeah, I, I should uh, mention this pause. I only read issue six today uh, because this is very confessional. We're giving you a glimpse behind the scenes of the podcast, people. Uh, because uh, Comixology and Amazon have uh, put their prices up stupidly. And uh, so I was waiting for the price reduction, maybe even the trade, because I was like, it's, it's not IDW's fault that Comixology has been such a dick. That uh, I wasn't too uh, keen on supporting the Comixology after that. But because of this podcast, because of all you lovely people, I've made that sacrifice. So. <laughs> um, I'm in a similar position because um, I, if I was reading the books on release, I would have stuck with my subscription. But given that I am not, I end up reading them a good like two, three months down the line. Um, then I don't think the, um, the price hike uh, justified me keeping uh, these books on subscription. So I've now dropped off that. Uh, and we'll buy them when I've got time to read them, basically, for 99p or however much they're going to be then. Uh, but I did spend my 3 99 this morning on the um, two latest issues of Galaxy, so I could be up to speed with uh, podcasting, so there you go. Do, do you want to confess anything, Tom? I'm keeping up with the comics. Keeping up with the comics, I'm reading the things. It's it's very lonely. It's very lonely. Oh. I hate going on any other websites, so it's just you two I speak to. Well, now we can have a conversation. <laughs> tell us what you. Well, tell us about this first arc, Tom. We can go where we want to. Place where they will never find. And we can act like we come from out of this world. Be the real one far behind. Constructicons rising. Ah, oh, I got a lot of thoughts. Got a lot of thoughts. Very, very, very frustrated with this first arc. And yeah, and I think you're right. Like, it's uh, it's weird one to open with. Um, this kind of, like, quite serious, um, quite austere, quite wordy, uh, 
personality study in each of the six goddamn Constructicons. Um, for, and that, I think, is, like, ballsy and interesting in its own right. I don't think it's entirely successful. Um, I, I, and I think it was frustrating because it didn't quite achieve what I think it was trying to do. Um, and I think that actually comes down to... This is something we haven't really spoken to before, but I've been thinking about it. The direction of the thing. Like it being directed. And I guess that would, in comics terms, that would be editing. But um, the like because it's it's a very slavish sort of G one stuff, and I think that cobbles it from the right from the get go. I think the designs of all of the characters do not fit the story which has been written around them, which is a really interesting problem to have, and they certainly don't fit the way this has been written, which is very. the characters are constantly kind of talking about their own motivations to other... It's, it's very kind of... I don't want to say Shakespearean. This is not Shakespearean comic, but it feels very theatrical um, in in the way that information is, is given to the audience. And that requires a lot of close-ups and a lot of fairly nuanced expressions. But the faces of these char- the characters as they're designed can't bear the load. It's not the way Livio's drawn them. Livio's drawn them as, as, as well as can be done. But, like, I've read, I've read four issues and I've been, I've been aware of the existence of Scrapper, Scavenger and Longhaul for, for my entire life and I still cannot tell them apart. I mean, they're just robot people. Uh, Funny-looking robot people. And they don't have... A way, if, if, if you're going to have lots of close-ups of their faces, I can't tell the difference between them. I'm sorry. I can page back to the to the beginning of the comic, which helpfully tells you. But even there, like, what is a scavenger? What is a long haul? I can't tell you. I, I'm going to jump in here because I have the exact same problem. And I'm glad it's not just me. Uh, there was this thing on Twitter recently about, like, what is your one Transformer secret that you feel a bit embarrassed about? And, like, legit, I never remember who the hell is which Constructicon. And this, there is this moment in the first issue, I think, where you've got all the close-ups of everybody and their traits and them. And I thought to myself, this is it. This is the moment that I finally remember who is who. <laughs> like, three years later, I still could not, for the life of me, figure out who I was looking at and what the hell was happening. <laughs> I can tell you right away the differences in the personality types of the three animated mm. Constructicons. Can't, can't do that here. Same with Insecticons. I can tell you Bombshell, because he's got an uh, interesting okay looking with, face. Uh, scrap, though. Uh, because uh, he had that scene as a homage to his scene in Target 2006, where he grabs a guy on the suite and electrocutes him. And still, it's the most memorable thing Srapnel's ever done. I think the problem with the art is, as I, I, I've often said about Livio, I, I love Livio's stuff when he's doing weird, say, insane, big monster fighting stuff, for which there isn't as much as you would expect in this story about Devastator. It's only really sort of uh, the flashback in issue three, and then the bit in issue four, that there's a a chance to really cut loose. But when it comes to sort of a character stuff, and expressive stuff, that's not his strong suit. Uh, he's always what he's good as, as conveying. And that turns maybe wasn't perhaps the best artist pick for this, uh, this storyline. But uh, yeah, I had that problem as well. Uh, and let, let, let me read my main note here on this storyline that I made earlier. <coughs> The fucking enigma of combination. Ah! <laughs> Exclamation mark. That's... Yeah, literally, the minute I saw that thing emerge from the ground, I was like, wait, I've seen this before. What was this? I can't. Oh, for fuck's sakes, not the fucking enigma. <laughs> and, and why? I don't understand why. Because, I, okay, I get it. If you're old IDW, after they made a thing of combiners being hard to do, once Hasbro said, bend over, we're sticking all these combiners into you deeply, and you must promote them. They had to come up with something that would create lots of combiners quickly. But they don't mean it here. They said, oh, we've made a combiner. Here he is. Yeah, just just uh, it's something that we do sometimes. 
Um, yeah, I, I totally agree. The Enigma, I, I, it's got to have been an idea that stupid. Hasbro, it's, do you think? It's, do, got, do you it's make... got to be some sort of mandate, right? I mean, I hope so. Maybe John Barber's still editor-in-chief, isn't he? So maybe he was like, you know what I really loved? And I loved it when I created the Enigma of Combination. You better put my name there. That's... How about the Earth becomes an Enigma of Combination? And, 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 uh... Uh, but that was like halfway through issue one, and I think that prejudiced me against the entire series. Quite yeah, because you've got, you've got such a great, it's, it's such an opportunity that's been missed here. You've got Constructicons, you've got Constructicons, construction workers, literally unionizing and changing society. Uh, and there, there's no even hint of going there. It is just this magic thing that makes them together, and that doesn't mean anything except that they're a monster now. It's like, is is are you is Devastator a union? Is is, is it all becomes so cloudy when you just have a magic wand? It's also um, you know the bit where they give them the Autobot face medals. Um, and they look across to the other workers who have exactly the same ones as well. That kind of gave me the impression that actually they're not the bottom of the food chain, the constructions. They're actually like the posher side of construction. Mm. So they're not necessarily, you know, the, the worker that unionizes as such, but it would have been a very nice road to go down if they had taken that route. Mm. Hmm. It's, it's all, it took me a while to sort of give the comic another chance after that, which, uh, sort of read it all in one go now, uh, after reading the four issues in piecemeal. So especially because there's a big, big gap between issues three and four. There's like three months, I think. So when I read issue four, I went, uh, I thought, well, maybe it'll read better all in one go. And then I read it all in one go today, and I went, oh, at the end. <laughs> Still. <laughs> but yeah, my, my big issue is there is not a single sympathetic character in the whole thing. There's nobody you have any investment in to care about. Even the Tuticons are supposedly these tragic exile figures are just kind of dicks hmm. throughout. So there's no point where we go, I'm rooting for these guys to, to beat the system, or I'm rooting... It's tragic when they fall into the evil trap. It's just there's nobody to care about. The only possible care about characters are all victims at the end who just show up to die. Hmm in horribly violent ways. It's just a a bleak, miserable story with uh, nothing to root for in it, really. It's it's sort of what people imagine the sort of the James Roberts stories would be like, oh, it's so dark and violent, which he never was really as much as people were painting. This is far more like that than anything we had in the old IDW continuity that I could think of off the top of my head. Hmm. I mean, it doesn't really believe in anything. It's sort of nihilistic, but not in the way that might read. It's like, yeah, exactly that. Like, who's, who's, who, who, yeah, who's the protagonist? And also, who's the villain? Shockwave is, like, jumping around, doing villainy things, but, like... Shockwave! He's, uh, I don't know, it feels like he's doing a very reasonable thing, given, he's, like, accumulating resources. Okay, he's taking advantage of, he's not even taking advantage, yeah, like, I don't, I don't, um, uh, there's, there's nothing to, to hook the plot mechanics on because the, the characterization is undercut by the designs and because the plot isn't really attached to any kind of philosophy or understanding of the world. I, I, I don't mean that to be as insulting as it sounds. It, it's a, it's a choice to do that. But like this, is, the story isn't about anything except to get the Constructicons and the Insecticons some characterization, as if that's its own goal. But I don't. I mean, but, but, but characterization be they're all awful people. Yeah, and that's fine, I guess. But um, like, I don't know if this does anything that like the Budiansky profiles didn't do. Even Wheeljack is a bit of an arsehole. Uh, Wheeljack's not normally a lovable. Wacky scientist guy. He spends all of this moaning and saying there are some things man or robot was not meant to know and, and now I have been proven right and I'm going to be sad. Well, at least he has a position and he's correct factually. It's like, yeah, these guys are real dangerous. 
But it's not the guy for the ongoing mode. It's not the happy, cheerful, yeah, let's do some mad shit, Wheeljack. He's working on making magic moves. Yeah. Yeah, Wheeljack feels very off. Termagex feels a bit off as well. Termagex doesn't... is just sort of like... Um, just curious without any kind of... Like, Termagex in the ongoing is, is, is much more of a of a politician, of, of, of someone who wants to, like, advance... No, politician's maybe the wrong word. Someone who wants to advance an agenda that's, you know, sort of sympathetic, right? But I don't... Termagax here isn't doing that, even though there's a lot of opportunity for that to happen. Um, I like the, 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 the idea that, that Scrapper and... I think one of the others is is one of Termagex's mentees. So that kind of puts them in the same family as Megatron. That's sort of interesting, but again, nothing really happens with it. To insert a little positivity, I don't disagree with what you're saying necessarily. I think I'm, we're mostly on the same page about most things. I think it it, it lacks the structure. Uh, I think it's got good thoughts in it and some good moments, uh, but it's definitely too long for me. And the themes that it wants to punctuate end up being diluted as a result. But I think there are some sympathetic, if not sympathetic characters overall, sympathetic moments towards those characters. And I think it's Scrapper, uh, particularly, who gets some of those. I think it may not be Scrapper. <laughs> it may be somebody else. <laughs> but. But but there is this kind of pride in in you know the the creation and the and the work at hand and the you know and all of that which makes them very sympathetic in my view. But it's not all of them; it's some of them, and that's perhaps um, one good thing in sort of like telling them apart in terms of characterization. If only I knew who the hell was who in each panel, so I could tell you who are the sympathetic ones. Um, I do like they did try to make it so, oh, you know, they're all so different. So some of them are more problematic when they combine than others and so on. I, that was completely lost because I had no idea who was supposed to be who. Mm. Um, I liked the um, sort of the scene of them being dragged down into the void when combining, which I think comes in issue three potentially. Um, I think that was a good kind of um, way of trying to like demonstrate what it must be like for them. Um, I think um, Wheeljack, he's being a bit of a ass, yeah, but he's not necessarily a, a bad guy by any means. He's just being a little bit like unnecessarily unsympathetic, perhaps. Um, and uh, I think Termagax is, he has good things in mind, but they feel very clinical, maybe. Like, uh, oh, we need support because there's an outcome that benefits us if we do. Mm. Um, more so than, oh, but look at those guys, how hard they're working. We need to, you know, make sure that, you know, we're supporting them and so on. It's all very much about the outcome. But I think that that's pretty much the, the universe. Uh, and I was, uh, I was really thinking about this for the next two stories as well, in that perhaps looking at it now from the, um, uh, from the age of, uh, of the COVID uh, uh, isolation and, uh, you know, the way society has been reshaping itself. I, it's funny how we call it an age and it's only been like two fucking weeks or something, isn't it? But, uh, <laughs> but like, I, I, I think I could feel a little bit more of that kind of how mindsets would change if resources did become more scarce and we had to really uh you know have some kind of state control over everything we do and what it is that we can consume and can't consume and how that would change everyone's mindset when when trying to sort of deal with things like a massive you know rebuild effort or things like that of course there's things that are completely unforgivable in all of this uh, such as you know like oh let's send them off to another planet and then forget they exist but I think there is, like, I think the book is uses the, the word alienation quite a few times. I don't think it's using it very effectively. Like, the first time it's mentioned, I thought, that's a good word. That's a very good word because you're alienating your own citizens. And as a result, they're going to turn against you because that's what happens. But then it kind of it beats you over the head with it because the word comes up another five times, I think. Um, so if it had kept it a bit briefer... Maybe spend less time building it up and more time showing you how they actually turn um, on Cybertron. Because I think that switch happens really quickly. Mm. 
it's like the intoxicants just approach them and go, oh, you idiots, you know, you've been taken for fools. And they go, yeah, we have, haven't we? Let's break everything in like that we've spent like, I don't know how long building. And it just feels like super abrupt. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it either feels that the construction comes are just already there in terms of wanting to kill, wanting to murder everybody, which doesn't the story doesn't really agree with or that they're like being played for fools which is kind of how the story's framed because shockwave is it wants this to happen yeah at most it should have been a three-part story i think so what is she showing the past of them on cybertron what is she showing the insecticons slowly working to undermine and corrupt them and then a third issue with a big monster mash fight and you, you probably could have done it in two issues to be honest but uh, that, that's a maximum it should have been um, and yeah, I, I agree. We are we are we are ragging on this thing a lot. I think it uh, yeah, I think it achieves what it sets out to do. Um, it's just I don't find what it did that interesting, and there were some some failures in it. Um, oh, but, but Marion's given us some positives, some stuff that she liked. It Tom was anything you liked in there at all, particularly? Um, what did I like particularly? Um, hmm, 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 hmm. There's a, I guess the the kind of thing it associates with combiners and and devastator with it's this kind of freudian like repression thing um where you, if, if where this the the sort of tantrum the sort of childish tantrum to destroy is there even in the minds of people who want to create and they're two sides of the same coin that's some, not something i actually agree is true but it's a uh yeah, that that is a kind of philosophical thread that it delivers using these kind of fantasy metaphors quite nicely. I think, um, I think that's deft. Um, yeah, I just don't think repression and violence and tantrums and I think I, I don't think that's actually how minds work. But anyway, if we're assuming they do, then this is how it, this is a good way to describe that. Um, I like the Insecticons getting airtime, if that means anything. Um, I I just have again, it's a it's a design thing. I just think that you've got like a weevil and a grasshopper. Uh, it's like a stag beetle, and they look really cute and sweet and 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 harmless. They're like herbivores, and you're trying to I, I, I make them look like like vampire monsters. Um, made me want to make like a, a <laughs> made me want to go out and make my own team of insecticons that would fit that kind of thing better like like a mosquito and like a maggot and like a parasitoid wasp I think that I think um, if that's the the, the horror uh, thing you're going to go on I think the insecticons as they've been designed originally is the idea that they're supposed to be harmless but actually they're a nasty a nasty guy that they're, that they're tiny and inconspicuous. But if you kind of want them to be big, horrible monsters, you should kind of make them sort of contagious or controlling or gross. But I don't know, I guess a lot of people... I mean, I don't know, am I alone here? Do I, am I the only one who thinks weevils look cute? <laughs> I, yeah, I, 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 insects in general are just not my thing. I have lots of love for spiders, but insects, like, I, I can't deal with in general. Like, I, like, I can... I can live with them, but like they are, they get no love from me, put it that way. Okay, even even a cute little grasshopper. I mean, I know locusts are a thing, but there's only ever one kickback in this, so. No, like I I want to, but I can't. I look at them and they just wanna pull away. Okay. Mm-hmm. However, I did love what they did with the insecticons here because I found them so absolutely repulsive. <laughs> I thought they they nailed it. I thought, oh my god, they are awful, but like they've done it well. Yeah, see, I wanted that. I wanted to feel that because I think that the writing there is is good. Again, it's the direction, it's the design. But yeah, I, I like I like the yeah. That that's actually what I was meaning to say. So it's it's the um yeah the 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 um their their reinvention is is cool uh i, I like the bit where they got given it all spot badges i thought that was nicely sarcastic <laughs> <laughs> i had a nice little call back to the old idw where they have a sort of Oswald badge trophies as well they said 
there's a nihilism in the Autobots. It's like, yeah, you know what's the best price to give somebody? Our logo. That's how be impressed by that. I thought that was quite funny. And, and even if it didn't quite work for me as a story, I like that they are using an avenue to introduce new writers as well. Uh, so far, it looks like it's going to be new writers teaming up with established artists, at least based on these first two arcs. And yeah, maybe don't give a new writer four whole issues. Uh, <laughs> not to say that again, that is on my main. I mean, I know Tyler Blazinski apparently is big in Oakland, I've been told. But uh, uh, he didn't, maybe don't give him four issues. But the, the intent of finding new talent and cultivating new writers, which is something that's been missing for quite a while. Uh, I don't think I said on the last podcast, you know, Brian Ruckley having to come in straight onto the ongoing. When he's a novel writer, it took him a while to find his green as a comic writer. If there had been something like this beforehand, you could have written two issues off or something that found worked out those kinks. He might have uh, landed a bit faster on made on going. So, so something like this for finding the next Brian Ruckley or John Barber or Mike Costa <laughs> is a good thing. I mean, I suppose it's not that different. I mean, uh, the, all three writers we're dealing with here are established writers, just not on Transformers. And with uh, um, Blazinski's case, not in comics. Um, you know, they, they do earn their living as writers. So I, I don't think it's quite fair to, to treat them as, like, these rookies. Well, no, but it, it could take... Uh, especially as this one hasn't written comics before, as you say, it could take a time to get me the river rides. It's happened with, with equally experienced writer Ruckley. And mm. we've had examples of experienced comic writers before taking a bit of time to, to get into the groove of writing. It's the same with artists as well, of course. It's a very different discipline from... Uh, for most American comics, uh, which works the other way, which is why so many Transformers artists hate struggle to get work outside of Transformers. Uh, that's, that's not disparaging about their, their applied credits. Sure. Um, I'm going to give Tyler a thumbs up personally, because even though I thought there were issues with this in terms of pacing and so on, I still think it was decent. And certainly the themes he was trying to tackle I thought were interesting things. So... I don't uh, have any objection to him uh, writing more, frankly. I'd like to see him sort of like uh, produce something else that might uh, hit the bits a bit better. Mm, yeah, I agree. Uh, it's, it's certainly not like the worst ever Transformers comic debut. Uh, certainly not from somebody who went on to do more Transformers comics either. So he's certainly titled another, another crack at it. Because if, if it had been shorter, a bit more tightly edited, and a few other... Yeah, it's almost... There, so I think we, to see more would be interesting. Yeah. Yes, that's 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 my review as well. It's all it's it's almost there. <laughs> you nearly got it. You so close. They call me help. They call me Stacey. They call me her. They call me Jane. That's not my name. That's not my name. That's not my name. Uh, should should we talk about wanna be? Oh, well, I think it was a great song. I'm still a big fan. You know, I put it on, have a little zigga-zigga-ah. It's uh, obviously <laughs> not the classic, the best of the Spice Girls. Uh, yeah, once they warmed up after doing, having a crack at one song, once they did some more, they got even better. Oh. But uh, <laughs> obviously, who do you think that you are? It's very classic. <laughs> okay. So, go on then. Well, we have a bit of a milestone here in the writers. <gasps> we do. So we've got Kate left. And Cohen Edenfield, both of whom identify as non-binary. Um, I believe Kate's pronouns are she, her, Cohen's are they, them. And uh, that is quite extraordinary, uh, certainly for Transformers writing. Welcome! Hello, I hope you've listened this far. <laughs> <laughs> um, I only just, just, just this morning sitting down, uh, realised that Cohen Edenfield is someone whose writing I've been following for years on Homestuck and Hive Swap and uh, yeah I'm a big fan of them um, Kate Leth I'm very prepared to be a fan of theirs um, you know long running cartoonist worked on Adventure Time comics and writes for Cyberverse as well um, so um, yeah yeah kind of has has been in the fold for quite some time um, I love this two-parter I'm going to kind of come right out of the gate and say I think this one Hit all the marks. That's you right out the gate there, Tom. That's, uh, de- I-, I thought it's kind of amusing that we're getting a story 
their sort of basic premises, Cliff Jumper having to deal with being constantly mistaken for Bumblebee when the Cliff Jumper toy misses promoting effectively. Is the first one in a long time. It isn't a Bumblebee painted red. He's got his own unique body. It's like the worst time story ever. <laughs> but how does he look in El- in Sonar? Uh, yeah, so, uh, to really jump into it, I'd say the, the best thing for this is I think uh, a lot of people are saying when we saw the double dealer, that oh, that, that would make a good disorce. And I, I considering the Cliff Jumper connection, I would say that we're going to get a disorce toy. For this two-parter as well. That's the vibe, I guess. Uh, for that, and it's about time. And I feel like I'm the only person impressed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that was... I, uh, it did not occur to me at all. Um, yeah, I, I really like the character choice of Desaurus. If it's not a toy-based thing, uh, I think it's a great choice of, like, a imposing-looking Decepticon guy who's kind of imperious, and the dragon metaphor is really brought home. It's Yeah, it's lovely. Yeah, I have to agree. I love this two-parter. It, it, it like the story is good. The um, it, it's got so many jokes in it that I like. <laughs> that just got me like laugh out loud jokes, uh, including the fact that um, turns out the uh, cliff jumper like came out after Bumblebee as like the forgotten seconds. <laughs> <laughs> which again I'm pretty sure like made a lot of toy fans laugh but um, the, um so I, again as I say I didn't know what I was about to read so like uh when I went in I was like fuck it's the thesaurus and it's like Alex Mildron thesaurus what kind of porn is this and then it's like oh shit he's a dick he's a fucking dick <laughs> it's like why are you doing this to me i can't like this thesaurus he's like the worst <laughs> but he, he looks pretty <laughs> it's it's weird you know this is the funny one we had like the serious one and the funny one but the the the, the brutality of this story is so much more hectic than like the insecticon dealing people like the the way Deathsaurus is like both powerful and evil in a way that's sort of credible in a, like a, like he knows exactly what he can get away with and that's quite a lot because he knows what people are not going to ask questions about and kind of things of them all shredding their wings is, is that's hectic man jeez uh, and then again the and yeah that sort of crushing scene of of, and it's play it's 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 played for joke for laughs. It is a joke, but yeah, it 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 works really well to set up how terrible Cliff Jumper's life has been when that was his birthday. Yeah, it's because I don't. It doesn't feel for me like the Bumblebee that gets described here is the same guy from the Ruckley ongoing. I, it's, I can't imagine anyone would ever cheer when he walks into a room where he's so heroic, where aliens on different planets who love him. So that, that struck me as a bit odd. I mean, so it's going to be from Cliff Jumper's POV and how he's channeling all this, but he didn't see Bumblebee come out either, so that's an objective scene rather than a subjective one. If I'm using those terms, I'm sure Tom will correct me if I'm not. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. But, uh, so it, it did feel, it almost did a feel in continuity with the main book. It comes like an old Elseworlds style thing where Bumblebee's this amazing guy, but I think Almost like Thunderclash style guy. Oh, I disagree. I think that was handled quite well. I, I think because that's the meta thing. Obviously, in the real world, people know Bumblebee and nobody knows Cliffjumper. But I think that was actually manoeuvred quite well because, um, well, we have the scene of his birthday where everybody's a celebrity. That's established. Like, I'm sure everybody on the planet, we know that there's not many births and that when there is a birth, it's a very big deal and that it's a cause for celebration for everybody on the planet. And then, yeah, in the context of this alien world, um, Desaurus really clearly illustrates the point that anybody who just treats them with any kind of humanity um, would be idolised. And, of course, Desaurus is very quick to capitalise on that. I don't think that uh, it's saying that Bumblebee is this, is this hero, just that he was a decent person in a, in, um, a very bleak place yeah he hasn't actually done it like they never say what he's done he just went there 
he, he hasn't done anything, he just he appeared. Um, there's so much tragic in this, like, and it's, as you say, like, even like, uh, but it's all treated with humor. So like the cliff jumper being born, which is absolutely horrific, but actually like so funny. But I think it's like how cliff jumper treats his own life. Uh, so he, he does it with a sort of like healthy dose of sarcasm, but he's kind of like keeping a, you know, his chin up and kind of getting on with it kind of thing. Yeah, no, I'm, be you know, I'm second best, but okay, whatever. I'm used to it now, you know, like, it's fine. Uh, I know who I am, like, I don't care what everyone else says, it's fine. Um, so he's learned to kind of, like, laugh about a lot of things that would be actually quite tragic. Um, but, like, how, like, um, what's happening to the natives is also kind of revealed a little bit gradually, because you're like, I don't really get what's going on here. Like, the, the actual, what's going on with, like, what the Cybertronians are actually doing to them isn't clear, I think, towards the very end, where you find out they've actually literally clipped their wings. Um, so they have to stay on the ground. And it's like, oh, my God, this is horrible. Um, and I think you can see how, like, Cliff Jumper finds a link there. And like he's always felt kind of like downtrodden as well and like he he can kind of relate he's never been like um the special one but all he does is again treat them decently and hmm. that's about it yeah and they've they've solved the energon crisis hmm? they've sort of like the 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 probats have solved the like if if the Cybertronians didn't have this system of colonization and this patronizing attitude to them, they would have enough Energon for everybody. Mm. Enough Energon shit. They could just sit there <laughs> under the sewage system. It's interesting that both of these plot lines revolve around Energon shit. Yeah, I think that was a. a I hope that's not going to be the thing of this comic. Where it's just Who's pooping the Energon this time? <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps slightly unfortunately placed that they are both about to try to procure Energon uh, back to back. Maybe they could have used a different McGuffin, but they're Saurus was after here. What? But, I like uh, that. I like, I like, I mean, that's uh, just an overall context thing. It's not the fault of writers who gave up this story. I like the, I like the, the clarity of, of that. You know, too many world stones and enigmas a combination and, and, and stuff like that. I think. I think resources has always been a Transformers go-to, and it's credible, and it's a reason for anybody to get out of the house. I think my my favourite bit of jokes was uh, the end of the uh, Iron Fist style montage of people not knowing who Cliff Jumper was, where after he's corrected everybody, <laughs> yeah. when uh, Starscream gets Bumblebee's name wrong, goes, no, it's Bumblebee! And that's classic. <laughs> Duck season, rabbit season, so <laughs> Yeah, man, yeah, it, it was laugh out loud funny. Um, Especially when it was Starscream as well, that's a perfect choice of character to just do. Because <laughs> <laughs> he knows who Cliff Jumper is, he was doing it deliberately to swine you up. <laughs> I like the point you just made, though, Tom. I like the like if they don't included them, they would have been like they and like it's a very good EDI point. Like you called it a rest inclusion point, in that like if we keep excluding people that are different to us, we'll never like we're losing out on everything they have to contribute. Um, and yeah, it's a, I like it. It's a good point. Because because the, the point's not left on Desaurus. He knows that he's got as much as he needs by by this exploitation. Um, but he just doesn't care. And then there's also even like in the triumph of like I've beaten the I've literally I've like slayed the dragon and I've freed everybody and I've uh, Cliff Jumper still keeps to the lie because he knows that that power structure is he's not going to change the way his people see other people. Mm. And there's a lot there about um, privilege, isn't there? Like innate privilege, even from the start. So they're both, well, actually, as you get to find out, the source is actually fully powered. So uh, even though uh, Cliff Jumper assumes that neither of them are, uh, but Cliff Jumper makes the point about, well, you've got longer legs, so you can walk faster. I have to run after you. Yeah, he's, he's, he's just assuming that, like, yeah, the circumstances of his birth are what makes him faster at catching the elevator rather than the fact that he is plugged, he's, he's taking a, <laughs> uh, a kickback illegally. Uh, not to confuse with kickback. It's easy to confuse kickback with all kinds of people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I was very pleasantly surprised, actually, because when I saw the uh, preview 
synopsis thing from, from Diamond. Remember Diamond? Uh, and he's like, oh, it's <laughs> Cliff Jumper. He's always mistaken for Bumblebee. What a wacky life he has. I want that. And this is a two-bath reform. That's like a six-page gag script, maybe. Are we going to keep this going for two issues? I'm expecting to find this quite padded and annoying. But instead, well, the joke is there. It is done over for two issues. But there's enough stuff layered in as well. And it's a pretty much perfectly made story. It's its rhythms exactly right. It doesn't have any of the issues uh, of the opening four bars. Uh, even though we could have easily had the same problem of making this idea last... Uh, 40 pages, so it's, it's very well uh, crafted how it sort of uh, peels back the onions as it goes along. Peels back the onions? Uh, as it goes along. And uh, like a psychic um, little girl that he rescues turns up at the right moment to add something else to the story. Even though that made you feel a bit like the old Spotlight Cliff Jumper at times. Uh, but it's sort of, I don't know if that was any I don't know if that was intentional or not, or uh, just... Uh, no, I, I thought exactly when he jumps off the cliff and takes down the thor- the source, I was thinking, oh, hang on, hang on, we've seen this before, haven't we? <laughs> uh, that just makes a contrast to uh, Shane... It was Shane McCarthy who did the old one, wasn't it? Uh, it makes yeah. a contrast to his take. Uh, his very macho take on Transformers compared to... Mm-hmm. Well, pretty much anybody else's, to be honest, because I don't think anybody was as macho. <laughs> if they got that form, it was a shame of thing. But uh, a more humanistic take and uh, compassionate take, where it's not just about, yeah, I'm a badass, so I'm going to kick anybody's ass. Uh, I, I, I definitely preferred this to that story. Yeah, because it's, it's the same archetype as well. It's like the little guy with the big gun. Yeah, and he's, yeah, like, that... he's, he's, he's getting in over his head. Hmm. Well, I think the the problem with the original Spotlight was that um, I believe Shane McCarthy's kind of like everybody was saying, hang on a minute, Cliff Champer is that big a badass? He's taking down like a, a whole like hardcore Decepticon unit on his own in a like a, in a planet with like um, yeah one gun basically. And uh, he Shane McCarthy's I believe uh, response to that was that. But these guys, you know, they've been at it for millennia, you know, they're like really uh, hardened, you know, like soldiers and of course he's so good and like, yeah, no, I didn't, but it never really felt like plausible. Hmm. Uh, I think this is a much better uh, like use of the uh, of the character than the other one, but they are very different stories. I mean, I can't really compare. Definitely though, the, the old Cliff Jumper spotlight is one of the weaker ones. I've never felt the need to go back and reread it. Hmm. Yes, I take that, Shane McCarthy. <laughs> <laughs> no episode of Podcast Maximus is complete without a take that, Shane McCarthy. I um, want to give a shout out to all the cover artists, like for all six books. Uh, all the like um, the cover galleries at the end of the Comicsology issues are amazing. Um, and there are some... Um, familiar names there but there were a couple of which i didn't recognize but anyway yeah i loved all the covers they were brilliant who did the one of uh was it sarah uh, uh the who did the uh one of cliff jumper surrounded by bumblebee merchandise so i thought that one was especially good i think that one is a milne yeah that looks like a milne oh that was a milne that's With right. the autographs i think isn't it yeah 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 um, that, that, that was uh, funny. Sarah did the one where it's Cliff Jumper and Bumblebee's uh, reflected uh, on the oh, window. Yeah, yeah. Um, there is one by Anna Markova uh, where, with the Bumblebee statue in the background and Cliff Jumper at the front. There is one by Kei Zama with like a really imposing the source. I remember seeing that on her Twitter and that was incredible. Uh, but I'm just looking at the particular issue now. But all the other issues as well have had like amazing. Um, generally, there is a there is some good devastator ones as well. Uh, there are a couple of Nick Roach ones I think of the Constructicons. Um, there's some Livio ones. But yeah, uh, um, good work, good work, everyone. Yeah, it's it, uh, uh, the covers have been great, and uh, that be the art in this one by Mill. Uh, well, we, we all love Alex Mill, I think, don't we? It's, uh, and he's on very fine form here. You know, I don't think he's anything but uh, would surprise you. It was an amazing reinvention mm. of his style, but it's sort of really strong, uh, Mill-esque 
work. And it's, it's good to have a couple of issues of uh, an old, reliable, strong standby. I mean, just the fact that you got to do the source, I think, was uh, amazing because the source is such hard work. Um, and uh, I think Milne probably like uh, was rubbing his hands at the mere thought of having so many lines to do. Uh, but it's always like it, it's good to see like a Milne the source. I think it, it um, yeah, I'd missed him. We didn't get enough of him in uh, Modern Mitzvah. It looks like he, he ends up getting cut cut off of a, a lot of the plot. So that was a nice thing. There's also a Beth Maguire space um, cover. Uh, and I want to say Beth Maguire space is my new favorite. She's my uh, I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for her getting more work now. Uh, and there's also someone called um, George Katsuzas, who I don't think we've seen before, who has done a cover for the second uh, Cliff Jumper. That's a good cover as well. Uh, speaking of it as well, I think uh, uh, McCullough did issue six uh, by uh, uh, David Garcia Cruz, mm -hmm. who I, I don't know if we've seen him before, that doesn't ring a bell in my head, but we, we may have. Uh, when he does what they normally only do with a Guido Guidiars uh, of a Marvel style flashback colouring, I thought that was a nice uh, little touch for that, uh, that humiliation page of Cliff Jumper. Oh, poor Cliffy. Okay, I mean, everything Nasora said was, was brilliant. He was a proper massage twirly pantomime, a ridiculous villain, while still a proper bastard as well. Uh, but he was just so funny, everything. He, he gives no fucks. <laughs> That's the sort of bad guy I can get behind. And he's been better nice change for the ongoing as well, which is generally cry for nuance and layers and uh, which side is really evil and shades of grey and you never know quite where you stand or not. Which is fine, I'm all for the depth and all that, but it's quite nice if you know it often. To have somebody come and go, I am a bastard. Watch me do bastard things. It's good, good fun. I just like how he talks about, um, yeah, that, that structure, that kind of like muddled thing of like, ah, you know, Ryan Pax is going to pontificate, Megatron's going to, oh, no, Megatron's going to pontificate, Ryan Pax is going to dither. And then the big boys are just going to flirt with each other. It's like, yep, that is the perfect cover for a literal dragon to hoard, <laughs> to just steal stuff for his own personal gain. Oh, I love it. I love it. So I think, uh, well, do we have any particular negative? Because we made it negative about the first one and we came in with some positives at the end. So do, do we have any negatives about this story? Or is it just all very good? You know, nothing's coming to mind. Oh, uh, no. no. <laughs> yeah, <it's... laughs> yeah. You were talking about the lettering before we started. Oh, the lettering, talk. right. I missed Tom B. Long, but uh, it's fine. Oh, there you go. I think that's a, a nice positive, uh, positive note. We are... I, I really enjoyed that one. I suppose the thing with a air quotes anthology, uh, just to use on, <laughs> oh, comic, sorry, sorry. <laughs> is that uh, in the different stories go along, not everything's going to be for everybody. Some will work, some might not work so well. We'll all have different favourites, different takes. Uh, but I still think the uh, changing writers, creative teams will hopefully, uh, if uh, it carries on like this, make for an interesting book. And a very book, and uh, throw up all sorts of interesting uh, things as we go along. I mean, uh, I I paid the full four quid or whatever it is for issue six, and I didn't feel too ripped off uh, afterwards. Which is, I guess, with it being possible to buy physical comics at the moment, that's really what I did. We're gonna have to hope for from everybody buying the books that we will we will enjoy a the, the marked up comicsology price. At the end. This time I certainly did. <laughs> okay, good, good, good. Almost worth the price increase. <laughs> That's putting a very negative spin on my positivity sorry, there, Tom. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> um... <laughs> they won't put that on the cover. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, more of this. And it's a thing. It's it's. I wish this series uh, a long and and uh, full life, so we can get um, we can throw up more of these interesting ideas and kind of enrich the whole enrich the whole universe. I quite like this I, this this second IDW universe. You know that. Oh. I'm quite I quite I quite I quite enjoy spending time in it. 
Uh, you, you pay the full price for all the comics, I Tom, so you really do like full it. price, yes. Um, I even got Transformers vs. Terminator, which I was expecting to grumble about, but actually was great fun. It's good to get two Alex Milne comics in one month. Speaking of uh, toys and the source toys, uh, MMC have kind of like gone a bit dark on the, the sources, um, but I'm still hanging on. I think they did say something about them coming out um, at some point still, but um, I imagine they're, they're really behind now with everything. Uh, but yeah, I'm just clinging on to hope of the sources. Of course, by the time they get them out, they're going to need to have another design. Um, for this one, but <laughs> that's me. Alex Mills in partnership with friends. <laughs> they're working together to just bleed Barry and Rye normally. But uh, I'm just hoping they finish off DJD or at least that one person I've paid the down payment for. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, let's hope we get the last two, eh? Uh, uh, any final thoughts, folks? So we don't end on a slightly depressed bit about toys. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't depressing. Uh, yeah, more of this, please. I'm looking forward to the next arc, which I think is Ultra Magnus. Um, uh, yeah, I think this is all very nicely put together and want to see more more galaxies. Yeah, I did enjoy this um, the, this uh, second two part. Like I said, I'm behind on the others, but I think I need to get cracking and sort of get myself up to speed. Because um, I, I have been enjoying this universe in general, I have to say. Like, I think... I wasn't entirely sure at first, but then it kind of like, it's been building up nicely. I think it's good to inject different voices into it. Uh, I think it it, um, it kind of like um, gives it different speed, um, it, whether it slows it down or, or, or fa- hastens it up, as happened with uh, like the construction versus uh, cliff jumper. But at least it's, yeah, allow more people to play in the universe is, is what I have to say. Uh, I just want to correct something I said. Then it's not Ultra Magnus coming up next. It's it's RC's kid. It's, ga- oh. it's a Gage two-parter, um, which has been set up very thoroughly in the ongoing. I'm really, yeah, really looking forward to that. Well, I look forward to uh, gauging how good that is uh, uh, when it comes out. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, you two said it's uh, it's a uh, even with a misstep of our first half, maybe I'm still uh, quite hyped up for this comic and uh, really enjoyed that two-parter. More voices, always good. Uh, I generally enjoyed the whole reboot, uh, not in a different way. I mean, with old, with more BTI on Wednesday after I finish work at six a.m. I would buy the comic and read it the same day. With these, it's usually the Saturday afterwards when I've got a bit more time. And it's not that I'm a sweet now burning urge, but equally, it's not like Optimus Prime which I gave up on and wasn't reading by the end of the uh, the thing, except when the trains came out. It's it's a different sort of passion for it. But I'm still passionate for it and still engaged and interested. Uh, I like all the creators. Uh, they all seem like smashing people, so I hope uh, we get more from all of them. And it, it has a good, solid, long run, so that we can do a podcast every six months where we sort of catch up on it. And uh, as the world collapses its anarchy, death, and terror around us, we will still be here. <laughs> Who knows? It might be sooner with everything. We've we've all got free time now. We do, well, apart from me. <laughs> I say all, all, all except for Shirt have got free time. <laughs> because I am the literal hero when it's crisis, by making sure you have your uh, your fancy Italian cheese. Mm. <laughs> Good, good. I'd run out, but, I'd run out of cheese, and then I'd just wither away. But it's not just about cheese that we're all doing. So, chaps, uh, what are your Twitter handles? Uh, what stuff are you or are you or are you not doing at the moment? I suspect you might not be doing much, but let's not prejudge. <laughs> well, my my handle is still Morta on Twitter, which is the best place to find me. Or Morta on Instagram, actually, if you want to look at pictures. And and with everything that's going on, although I am still at work, I'm working from home, which means I'm claiming back something like four hours of my life a day. I normally lost the commuting, so um, you might see more of me. Who knows? I also shared. Um, I take it back because you also have more free time because you have no conventions to go to for the time being. Uh, yes, we have to. It's quite sad because there's been a few old actors oh, like, who've died recently. I mean, they've not said what they've died of. They'll be like, 
Oh, that's a shame because that's all. Yeah. Anyway, Tom, be cheerful. What, Twitter and anything you ordered. Oh, oh uh, yeah, on, on, on Twitter you can find me on Tyrone McNally. Uh, same on Instagram. Um, uh, I am still working at the moment, but I'm putting in some some time to resurrect uh, my audio drama, Saga of the European King. And I should be working on a new uh, text adventure game um, starring Adam Driver uh, quite soon. Uh, yeah, stay tuned to my to my Twitter feed for these these kinds of droppings uh, which you can you know just eat directly as pure energy on and I am at inflatable darling uh, over six months since that's in one I'd watch the entirety of the 18 that's, that's been uh, my, my big thing a bit of mad uncle now which is uh, also quite good but uh, I'm still every week looking at an issue with a British Transformers comic over transformation at the solar pool uh, I am now coming up to the end. I'm coming up to the end of a British crime comic. And then there's only five issues of the Age of Extinction comic to do. And then it's all over, done, dusted, and dead. Eight years of work finished. Just in time for the end of the world. Wow. And to keep you with that, hopefully in the next couple of weeks, uh, I'm putting out an ebook of the first two volumes of Transformation. Uh, that we get for going for charity. We're, we're having some difficulty formatting it at the moment. So, but. But it will be out eventually, and if you follow my Twitter, you will see how you can pay just a fiver for that. But physical books are £15 each. It's a bargain. Uh, so you'll be able to see how you can get that. And Transformation Volume 3 will be coming before TF Nation, whenever TF Nation may be. But I guarantee it will be before it. I am not paying TF Nation to delay the convention, <laughs> so when I have more time to do the book, anyone who says, who says that is a liar. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note, take care, gentle listener, and look after yourselves. Good luck, everybody. Goodbye. Bye-bye.